I mean, we kind of covered this, but maybe a different way. I mean, if there's one thing you could tell the world, I mean, what would it be? I don't know. I don't think I would tell the world anything. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't think I would. Um, yeah. If it was something, it would probably be along the lines of like, well, and what I'm interested in photography is like what the world has to tell me a bit, a bit cheesy, but um, I'm, I'm all right with that. Yeah. Like I'm just, yeah. What do you got for me world? <laughs> That's great. We'll start another podcast, Solomon. That'll be what it's called. I, uh, <laughs> that feels like the perfect answer, considering what I've learned about how you approach your life and your craft. It's a lot of humility for a young man. My Viewfinder is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. The Alberta Podcast Network is a program to support Albertan podcasts by connecting us with local businesses and initiatives to keep our stories and our interests at the fore. If you're interested in finding more Albertan podcast content in a wide range of topics, check out their website, albertapodcastnetwork.com, or you can connect with them over social media. They are at albertapodnet on both Instagram and Twitter. Our sponsored message today is from Calgary Foundation, proudly supporting community needs for 65 years. Empathy, kindness, generosity. We are united in our desire to give, to inspire hope, and transform the lives of people who are struggling in turbulent times. And the Calgary Foundation is here to help. From mental health programs to environmental causes, the Community Knowledge Center website features profiles of charitable organizations, all searchable by area of interest. Be inspired by compelling stories. Be informed of innovative work. Be responsive to the needs. To connect to hundreds of outstanding charitable organizations serving our community, visit ckc.calgaryfoundation.org. To learn more about the Calgary Foundation, visit calgaryfoundation.org. In this, the second half of my talk with Solomon, I learned more about his upbringing. Growing up on a reserve in poverty fostered something more than just a survival mentality. Often we can believe that money creates money, but life doesn't always work like that. Some people who come from the so-called upper class actually don't put anything together. And we'll see here with Solomon, some people who come from a place without some handouts can create incredibly meaningful work. So we'll start this part of the conversation with my question to Solomon on how he was able to build the discipline required to become such a great photographer. If you can remember, how did it start and what was it like to get to the point where you could do it every day? Because, uh, you know, I'm training to be essentially like more of a long distance runner. And like when COVID started, I could hardly spend 10 minutes doing continuous exercise without wanting to give up or being upset at myself. It's taken me more than a year to where I'm at. What was it? Do you remember what it was like at the beginning where you told yourself that you were going to do? I mean, maybe it wasn't every day, but that you needed to do something regularly and coming to where you are now. Is there any advice to folks that uh, <laughs> ought to do this? Uh, I don't think you ought to do anything, but <laughs> but uh, a funny thing of where this started was because I grew up on like in a rural area and we had no money. It's like, I used to go, when I was like a little kid, I used to go around to different houses and collect cans, like beer cans and like pop cans, like kilometers I would walk when I was like a little kid, when I was like 10 and carry these garbage bags and like collect all these cans. Cause like people like would throw cans everywhere. There's like lots of 
people who are alcoholics and things around my my neighborhood, which is like vague because it's like in the woods. Um, I would just go to these people's house. I knew them and take their cans and get my mom to drive me to the the bottle depot and cash out these cans for money. And I would use that money to buy um, video games or like whatever I wanted. I because they my parents could not afford that stuff. Um, I, I'd go to the pawn shop and like buy like whatever used game. And that's like kind of funny like where this kind of dedication started because like. I knew like if I had, I needed to, to do something to like get whatever I wanted. And at that time I wanted video games. And the analog process started from in university. Like I was broke. I like, I got a bunch of, I lucked out and got some scholarships, which didn't pay for all of my uh, university. But I was like in this school, I didn't have a, like I had like whatever camera that I afforded from working in high school, like my whatever part-time job I had in high school, I was working at a grocery store. Uh, and, a, and a food bank, but I saved up to buy like a Canon T3i or whatever. And then I was at this university and they told me I needed all this professional gear if I wanted to be a photographer. And I was like, well, I can't afford that, but I can, I went to like a thrift store and I bought a $17 camera. And that's what I shot most of my school projects on was that. I, I also did buy a 5D, like an original classic for like a couple hundred dollars at that time. I had to like, I was really broke. So I had to like be resourceful of like what, like what to do and I couldn't afford these crazy cameras, so I just like was like I'm just gonna use analog because like I have this camera, this like Konica C35 or whatever, uh, and I decided to start then to learn the analog process, like dedicate myself to it. And it was because like I couldn't afford like whatever lenses or anything, so I was just like I'm just gonna use this. I'm gonna answer your question. Uh, I think it comes from like lack of resources. It sounds like you're pretty industrious by nature. I mean, I when I was ten, I did not try to buy my own gear. <laughs> uh, and we, yeah, we definitely come from different environments. I mean, even as a second generation Korean, my parents were like, my dad was an architect. My mom was a teacher, you know, they were struggling when they first came to Canada, but by the end, they, they were trying to get into the sort of middle class. Um, and so I like, oh, I grew up spoiled. I was angry about it, uh, miserable even, but that's my psychology. <laughs> And like I said, I think by nature, I am not, you know, I am not disciplined. It's, yeah, I've been talking about alcoholics. That's, uh, that's been, it took me, I'm five years now without booze, but uh, that's a lot of work to get away from that life for me. And uh, I think that, you know, it's interesting. I, I, maybe it's unfair to ask you because I wonder if it's not a conscious thing. Uh, you do talk about how it comes out of necessity, but there are a lot of folks either that have necessity or like me that don't really that can't be that disciplined about making their own way and uh even kind of that rebellious attitude where your teacher's like well you need uh you know this fucking whatever megapixel or or a high-end f- uh, film camera and studio lights and you're like fuck it i'm doing it with a 17 dollar used camera uh i love it you know it's uh it's got a lot of self-confidence i think in that it's it's interesting i mean i, I don't know what what were you thinking <laughs> When, when you uh, are told by your administration you need some minimum something and you went and got a used uh, camera, were you confident that you could pass and impress people or it was just a matter of uh, this is what I, this is the best that I can do and we'll see where the chips lay? Yeah, that's kind of, yeah. I was not concerned about what they were going to say or anything. Like I also bought a scanner for like $70. So it's like a bit more than $17. Like I, I bought like a Epson V550 or something, I don't know. Something, flatbed scanner. 
and I just use that and I like re like I, you get D76, that's like $10. You get a bulk roll of film, that's a hundred bucks. And then you just like use that for like whenever it runs out. And like you just get some fixer and like that's all you need. Um, and, a, and a tank, obviously, but you can get, you can find things for like free. And I've gotten a lot of like, I used a lot of random garbage film that people gave me because I told them I was into film. And a lot of my projects are on garbage film that people threw away. It was there, so I used it and it was fine. Yeah, so, but yeah, not too concerned about like what people are thinking. Just trying to do the same with whatever I have, whatever it is I'm trying to do, which I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, my follow up then is where are you at now? I mean, um, you're, you're working, you're more established in the field, you've published some work. Do you feel like that sense of necessity is fading and it's become something else? Or is there something that still compels you to make the most out of the least amount of frills um you know as a photographer specifically but in life it sounds like yeah you're you're very resourceful you know how would you uh, describe yourself right now and your process uh is it growing a little bit is it expanding or are we still using a 17 dollars used camera we're not using that camera anymore uh i am using like a my, most of my works on a point and shoot I, I also do have a leica so i can't really complain here uh, <laughs> but uh, i am still trying to make the most out of like whatever i have Last year, like I, I yeah, I, I went and just bought a Leica because I was annoyed at these. Like I was using, I was still using thrift store cameras up until last year, and I was annoyed. Like I was just mad because like I ruined fifteen or twenty rolls of film. Uh, like basically this whole summer, last summer, like I was like shooting some stuff out in Morley, and I ruined a lot of it because I was using this <laughs> thrift store camera, like which is like part of the process, but I was just like, I, and then right now I'm like kind of done with that. So I just like, I was like, you know, I can't do this anymore. I just have to get something reliable. <laughs> so I finally bought a reliable camera that works for my needs. But as far as like art goes and like photography goes, I think I'm at a place where it's like, everything's like set up in a way that I can just keep working. Uh, like working in a way that I don't have to worry about much as far as like equipment goes but i'm also shifting my interest to many different forms of art mediums like music and like music has been a big focus and like films obviously a filmmaker second to photographer i think films and music and uh trying to get a video game published that's a whole other thing <laughs> just like what like i don't know trying to like branch out into like projects that like bigger projects that can hire some of the folks that I um, grew up with. Cause they're all talented, a lot, like I grew up with like a lot of talented artists and they like, they're not as resourceful as me. And I'm trying to trade this skill that I have that I've cultivated and learned how to do and give that to like some of the community members I grew up with. And in a way that like, I don't know, in my own way, I guess, like with like grant writing and what have you, just trying to spread that financial stability or like my, however, whatever I've learned over the years. That's kind of what I'm mostly focused on, I guess. Uh, I mean, I, I definitely need to come back and ask you what your video game is about. But uh, well, you know what sticks out is, uh, you know, you brought up how your mom is connected to seven families and you have yourself this uh, incredible intuition to be community driven. Uh, you know, is that something cultural? Is it something specific to you and your family? I mean, I again, when I was 25, I didn't give a fuck about anybody. Um, I, I actually probably didn't really care about myself enough. Um, but, you know, you're working, you're building this thing, and you're trying to send energy back. 
It's fascinating. I I think it's cool, but you know, is it something that's always been a part of your intentional uh, makeup, or is it something now that you find yourself getting more balanced than you're thinking about folks you grew up with? Yeah, I think it's something with I, I guess age and like trying to give back to the people that have helped me and how they've done things and trying to in my slightly older self um, way of like my the resources that I have available to me. Like I don't know, like I had a rough time like getting out of the reserve and like even living and going to school like yeah it was just yeah it was like going to school out here it's pretty like i had a really dicey time uh like getting by um which is fine like whatever I, I'm, I'm alive now but yeah i just don't want like like i don't know like uh some a lot of the family members that i grew up with and like community members like i just don't want them to go through that because that fucking that what that sucked like I don't, I don't know if i'm allowed to swear but uh i can't <laughs> yeah, stop that, swearing yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that really sucked. And like, I just don't want people to like go through that. That's like awful. And especially like with, with like art centers and especially some of the ones in Calgary, they, uh, they don't really like, like I was treated poorly and I don't want to name names. I don't want to out people because it's not my style. I'm not a cop. I'm not trying to like whatever, you know, but like I had a, some rough times in Calgary and with Calgary arts organizations where they um, made me do a lot of like emotional and like actual work and like paid me really garbage but i'm trying to like that's like one aspect that i'm trying to like get rid of so that like especially with like nonprofits, like i just don't want any of my cousins to like like maybe they do want to work with those people or like in like the nonprofit sector and like the arts sector but i just like i just want to show them that we can just do that we can skip the middleman and just do it ourselves because a lot of those things are really not they don't work well for like i'm not trying to speak for all indigenous people but they didn't work well for me and they're sure as hell not going to work well for some of my cousins that are like the ones that like they came to me and they asked me like they're interested in making video games and i'm like okay maybe i can try figure out how to do that and like how to get a grant for that like how to how can we pay everybody how can we get like jobs like and how can we like basically just get money so that they can live and not be like, I don't know, they're all working like tourism and Banff. A lot of my cousins, they like housekeepers and cleaners and servers and cooks in a lot of the hotels in and around Banff and Canmore. Just how to get, stop people from working there. Like not that it is a bit of exploitative, but I mean, that's just like any industry. And that also is like out of necessity of just like, I don't want people to like, uh, I don't know. I just want my community to do well. I don't know. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking about. Like, yeah, yeah, without getting necessarily into specific what happened to you per se, I mean, what are the biggest difficulties for an artist to to work through all of these, um, I don't know, not just stereotypes, but these barriers? I mean, what uh, it sounds like you've had a very, yeah, rough, a difficult time getting to where you're at. Uh, even maybe you're here because you're such a resourceful person by nature, but... Are there very simple barriers to entry that, you know, that are not monolithic, what's the word I'm looking for, that are uh, institutionalized? Like, what, what's the main issue? Because there are so many talented people, even in Calgary, there are, uh, of any ilk, gender or identification, there is a lot of creative talent, I'm sure everywhere. But I am also surprised how often they feel they've got to leave or do something they don't want to do to just get a voice out. Um, because there are these invisible barriers, sometimes visible, but, um, you know, you know, maybe what's the most difficult lesson that you had to learn? And what is it uh, that you think will inspire your cousins and, and people outside of your community to, um, yeah, be represented and do it sort of your own way as much as possible while we still fit into a system where, you know, money comes from? 
certain groups of people. Yeah, like, is there a single thing? What's an inspiring idea that you try to get your cousins to uh, latch onto so they don't, you know, fall into the same traps? Um, I don't know. Like one, one big thing, a lesson that I learned is like, it seems cliche, but like anyone can do anything. If it was like made by humans and like, you can just do it. You can probably like, you can probably try and ask for that grant. You can probably try and apply for that job or whatever. You might get rejected, but like, maybe you won't. I don't know. It's like a weird thing. And I guess, especially with arts organizations, it just matters like the language you use because it's very bureaucratic. Um, and if you just like word it in a nice way, it, you can change people's minds. And it's like crazy how, like, if you just say things like, I don't know, just like having somebody there to like, I, I have like a lot of people that, I, that help me like write grants and like try to word my, word my vision in a better way than how I can say it, articulate it to like arts organizations, the government, Canada Council and like what have you. Yeah, I don't know. And like your project will probably be great. I don't know. And this money is going to go somewhere to someone anyway, like or it might get fizzled out into the ether of bureaucracy. Like a lot of money gets lost in bureaucracy, obviously. Like it's obvious and it, it's real. Like if, you, if a grant or body like has this pot of money that's sitting there for like people to get, like not everyone's going to apply for it. And they're going to have some left over and then that'll just go into the operating costs of whatever it is to like have this organization open so that they can get more applicants to give away anyway. But like, I don't know. It's worth a shot. All right. Um, so what's your video game about? I have no idea. I don't know how to make a video game at all. <laughs> I'm just trying to like, <laughs> I'm just trying to like help support my cousins and like what they want to do. It's and like they want to make video games. Console or online or... I don't know. I have no idea. Like, I'm just like, they have an idea like of like, they're making like models and like they're learning coding, which is beyond me. I don't know anything about coding or like wow. digital 3d art, but yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. It's like whatever that they come up with and I'm going to try hopefully and try and support them and like what they want to do. And I hope it works out. I mean, and yeah, whether that specific game gets made or not, I am also uh, coding illiterate so if you're telling me they're teaching themselves how to code uh, any type of computer that's uh, impressive to me yeah uh, yeah language man it's a weird it's, world. it's also super interesting because they don't like they, none of them finished high school or even some of them didn't even go to high school or even school at all and they like learned language through video games the group of cousins i'm talking about that's super interesting i don't know like we don't really need i mean there's importance to school, yes, and education. But I don't know, these people are just, they're just doing it on their own. And I, like, I don't know, I'm more inspired by them than like most like artists or like anyone I see. It's because like, like I grew up with them and they just like literally have no, they just like didn't go to school. They're just like kids playing in the woods. I introduced them to like computers and like some different types of games. And then they just like took off with it. Now they're like all coding geniuses. Oh, I don't know if they're geniuses, but... <laughs> They're building stuff. Way, way more than what I can understand. Like, I don't know. Crazy. <laughs> uh, this um, overarching idea of creativity as an abstract thing is fascinating. It's very human, right? Like, I mean, I don't want to speak for any spiritualist, but we seem to be here to build stuff, something, whatever it is. And like at the beginning, when you were saying that you couldn't do, you weren't creative with, you know, with X, Y, and Z, we're just looking for a medium that we can put our hands on. And, uh, I was uh, just to be conspiratorial. I was listening to this talk uh, about the American education curriculum, and uh, this one guy brought up how 
the curriculum is actually defined and controlled by the book publishers. So they cycle through this thing so that they can continue to build textbooks and has nothing to do anymore with um, any kind of functional education, any kind of like um, useful energy, loving learning. They don't do that. And uh, watching my son in grade one, I keep telling him, I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Go there to make friends and like whatever we need to learn on the background we'll take care of but yeah i also don't really trust formal education it's fascinating when you see anybody in or out of it when they become creative it often has nothing to do with uh, trigonometry maybe that's not fair there's probably a lot of smart mathematicians who are very creative that i haven't met yet yeah i know i know i know uh photographer who used to be a mathematician semi-interesting that is cool <laughs> related yeah it's, and she makes some pretty wild photographs yeah i was gonna ask um, does it reflect <laughs> in her work yeah i think so i think it does like how would you describe i mean now we're critiquing somebody but is it very structural or is it just how she looks at things i'm i'm fascinated i interviewed eric donovan who's an astrophysicist turned photographer to yeah a mathematician would be fascinating yeah it's very organic. Some of the work that I've seen of theirs, very organic in the form, but it's very like they make large prints on wood that are like huge digital files and they're like encaustic on there. That's like the process of it. And then the actual image is of like, of the images I've seen are like very organic, but also in a way that's organized in a way, if that makes sense. Structured. Like really, yeah. yeah, structured, yeah. Organic, but structured because they are like literally of organic things because they mostly take photos of like tree stumps and things. It was like the highest resolution you can, like the like multiple stitches. I don't know. They're interesting. Um, uh, I'm not doing justice talking about them. You can just think about what that might look like. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. That's cool. Yeah, after we're done, you'll have to send me contact information so i'll reach out there got to interview a mathematician i i will say uh before we kind of get to the end of this the more i learn about math or i should say the more i learn about what i didn't learn about math is uh it is not memorization <laughs> it is much more organic than that and again i i don't blame my high school teachers uh or really the system but it'd be cool if we knew that in some intuitive form when we're really young and you go to elementary school and somebody's like, look, you know, yeah, two plus two is four, but it's not about just getting four. Like this is going to build into a way to look at the universe instead of uh, you got 60. So you should just quit, you know, do something else with your life. Uh, but I'm just being bitter. Uh, <laughs> Solomon, thank you so much for hanging out with me. I really appreciate it. I don't know when you're going to be by Calgary next post COVID, but uh, yeah, I'm trying to get back to Alberta because I'm trying to like, there's a couple of films that I want to make there that require me to be there, like documentary films and documentary photography. So I'm trying to get there soon, getting vaccinated. Hopefully that'll do something. Um, but yeah, thanks for having me out. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Awesome. What are you going to do the rest of the day? More work? Uh, I'm going to go shoot some photographs. My friend found some spectra polaroid spectra film in their basement so i want to go pick it up and I'm like i have a like somebody like i found a, a spectra camera at some point along like i have like tons of garbage cameras that people give me like i'm not sure where i got this one but i have a spectra camera that i've never used because i just found it and like i don't know like i'm not trying to look for a spectra film 
not priority for me, but my friend found some in their basement. So I'm gonna go walk over, pick it up and maybe go photograph some cherry blossoms because they're out in full bloom and see what it looks like. I don't know. That's my plan for the day. I'm such a photographer. <laughs> <laughs> this is yeah, like when I was talking to Louis, it's just everything's about a camera. Well, every, <laughs> probably for your birthday, you probably have like a camera shaped cake and there's uh... a... <laughs> This sponsored message is brought to you by Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider in Alberta. They offer internet, electricity, and natural gas with low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. In Alberta, you get to choose who to buy your internet, electricity, and natural gas from. If you choose Park Power, you're choosing a positive local business. Plus, Park Power shares its profits with local not-for-profits that are working to make a difference for their communities. Shopping local is very important to Park Power's owner, Chris Kozowski, and we love local here at the Alberta Podcast Network. It's a great fit. Learn more at parkpower.ca. So what makes a creator a creator? There are so many avenues to embracing our own creative nature. Personally, I believe all human beings love to make things, whatever form they take. But becoming an artist requires something more than just talent or vision. There's a grind. If I'm learning anything from Solomon, pushing back against the difficulties life presents to us in a constructive way has to be the most creative process of all. Hearing about creating, not only for himself, but for his community, makes me reflect on what it is that motivates me. Am I in a particular stage in my own career? Is photography itself what's actually drawing me in? I think we could all take a moment to reflect on where we started. I suspect that we'll all see this sort of story emerging. One cannot make things if they have not, in the process, had to remake themselves. It is fascinating how focused I have been on final products, prints, or a show. But living through, surviving, and processing the difficulties of getting through life's challenges really is the most creative process of all. This, like, I have a computer, like, this is my MacBook that I'm using, which I got, like, from school. But I have this computer, like, I, I have this thing about building things out of garbage. Um, I built, I think, three systems, three PCs out of garbage. It cost me like $100 or I think $150, but it's like a high-end computer. It's like better than this MacBook. But like, I just like take, like, I know a lot of computer nerds and I take, like, they're always upgrading always. So it's like, it's also like gas, like gear acquisition, but for like, computers. Um, they're always like trying to reach this crazy thing of like powerful computer of within their budget. But then they always throw away parts and I just like gather them. I have boxes of computer parts everywhere. I don't know, I just feel so bad that they're like being like, they're either gonna sell them to someone who's gonna throw them away or like they just end up becoming garbage. So I just started building PCs out of them. This is my, this is my, this is my first one, but I built two others also. Fully working computers that are like decent and can actually, you can actually game on them, like play video games that are like modern. That's some, my one of my side things. But all my friends who I play video games with, they all make fun of me because of like, because it's like also kind of garbage. Like it takes <laughs> a long time to turn on and like sometimes blue screens like has all these problems because like, like my motherboard, like my friend threw this system, like it's like a nice motherboard. It's like i7, like whatever, like five years ago was like top of the end consumer. But like he bent some of the pins and I just like went in there with like a razor blade and like <laughs> bent the pin back and just shoved the component back in it and it sort of works. Like I'm not, like it's been working for years so I'm not complaining. Uh, but like, <laughs> like I just went in there with a razor blade and fixed it. 
because like he was not could not be bothered to like it was just garbage jam because he just like fully upgraded his system um, but I, I i reused it it's fascinating <laughs> i you know what i like about that it's so holistic this awareness of waste I mean, we're talking about taking pictures of people's trash. It's fascinating consumerism. Yeah, we'll have to do round two. Then we could do some big shit about bringing down the, you know, bringing down the man and capitalism and fucking free market this and, you know, uh, the destruction of the earth with all this garbage. But uh, I love the sensitivity. I, I built a computer for myself when I was, oh shit, 20. And it ran, it was fine. But uh, when we switched to the Mac cult, it's like I just wanted to spend whatever money it was and then like not I don't wanna think about it. I don't wanna oh, yeah, fiddle. Awful. Yeah. <laughs> it's awful. Thinking about that and like all the parts and like oh, it's a nightmare. But yeah. I like doing it with garbage and like yeah, I love this that. is it's not my work computer, so I don't really do anything on it except for like play video games. Yeah, I don't know. I yeah, I love it. But it is a nightmare, that whole computer like just computers as a concept are is just kind of a nightmare, like especially when you're using them for work. Because like, I don't know, like I try not to update my Adobe softwares because it's like, I just don't want to deal with bugs and things. And, like, and I, I realize I'm turning into like my, all my friends make fun of me for being old and be like an old person. Cause I'm like, oh, you never updated since 2016. And <laughs> like, I finally updated. Cause I had like a, I have like a Fuji digital camera or whatever, like XT3 or something. And it won't, it won't. Yeah, I couldn't open files. <laughs> and <I was> like, <laughs> so I was like, I finally have to update. And I'm like, so choked about it, but it's fine. <laughs> but, 